thank you for joining us at uh, the Common Humanity Podcast, where we are here to have real human conversations. Today, we are joined by my friend Dominic. Um, things I know about Dominic is uh, I've known him since elementary school at some point in time. Uh, we play volleyball against each other. He coaches youth sports uh, and um, created a cool job site thing that we'll kind of dive into other than that or additionally into that Dominic who are you hey Chandra thanks for having me on really appreciate it um, give me a chance to talk to folks about you know who I am and what I do so who am I what I what do I do um, so I have a small family uh, my significant other uh, Brianna Iverson she goes by Breezy uh, we have a child who's seven years old uh, he will be eight here uh, October 28th. Um, he'll be turning eight years old. Um, like you said, I coach all of his youth sports and all that fun stuff. So keeps me busy. Yeah. We've known each other for, you know, since elementary school. So that's really cool. But um, since, you know, those school days, I went and got a degree in um, essentially computer technology. Um, I now work full-time for Hewlett Packard, uh, Hewlett Packard uh, Enterprise as a solutions engineer. Um, been with them for 12 years um, on the side you know when I'm not coaching the sports I like to you know run businesses and you know see if I can put a few extra bucks in my pocket for me and my family and help out the local community you know even more um, than you know helping out with the sports stuff so that's the elevator pitch I guess who I am. all right um, let's see when you say run businesses can you tell me a little bit more about that because it seems that um, having a job at Hewlett Packard probably takes up a fair amount of time. And then you found time to dive into other things. So what are those other things and where did the inspiration to do those things come from? Yeah, I've done a, a couple different things. Um, geez, I was back and uh, when was this 2010 ish, I think no 2000. Yeah, 2010-ish. Um, I ran a, a IT company here in town for about a year. We would just fix, you know, people's PCs and stuff like that. Um, I'm uh, 33 going on 34 right now. So, you know, that was 10, 12 years ago in my early 20s. Um, we were just kind of getting the lay of the land for things, you know, understanding what it takes to run a business. But we would fix, you know, PCs, go set up, you know, grandma's router at her house, um, fix people's Xboxes at the time, red ring of death thing. If you're a gamer, you might know what that is. Repair those types of things. Yeah. Um, and then another thing I did back in 20, I think I started this in about 2018 or got involved with it in 2018 was a martial arts academy. Um, that that one was was super rewarding. Um, learned a lot from that experience. Um, we ended up turning that into actually a certified daycare center um, where I was actually um, the director of the center. So that was really cool. Got to work with a lot of kids. Um, we closed that up. Um, uh, during COVID, right, we had to go remote, we were remote for a few months. And um, with my son getting older, you know, I didn't have the time that that required, you know, to run a martial arts academy and a daycare center, you know, together that that's, um, takes a lot of time. And then now, um, what I'm working on is a website called oddjobber.com. And we provide a platform for people to list jobs or pick up jobs, you know, and kind of negotiate, um, prices and terms amongst themselves. It's kind of a community for jobs, if you will. Um, 
as far as like inspiration, um, the IT thing just came naturally, right? As you know, I was working in the industry at the time, had gotten the degree, knew a lot of this stuff, was always getting asked by family and friends, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And so, hey, why not slap an LLC on it and pay taxes to, to do the work, right? Um, the Martial Arts Academy, that's something that I've had a huge passion for, um, for you know, a big chunk of my life. Um, and um, it was, it, it kind of happened. I, I kind of fell into that one by happenstance. Um, a series of events that happened kind of led me to be the owner of the company. And um, it was, it was super rewarding. I would say one of the most rewarding things I've done is getting to work with, you know, young kids, teaching them something, you know, helping families out, um, challenging at the same time, for sure. Um, and then the odd jobber thing, you know, with the family still wanting to be involved with the business side, doing something online, right, really allows you to work on your own terms, right? If okay. I want to stay up late and get up early, I can, you know, do what I want to do. And it also dovetails nicely into my experience as an engineer, right? So, yeah, that's the long-winded answer. <laughs> um, I really like this, the, the odd jobber idea because um we well since i quit my full-time job i've been living the gig life um in one way or another and it seemed to me that that was not all that it is but that it opens up opportunities for people who have skills um who might not have like their own company name behind it or um, might not have the, the recognition that larger companies might have. And they can say, hey, I have, like, you need X, Y, Z done. I know how to do that. This is what I'm charging. Um, and I think that's something that we need because one thing that I've learned um, in, a, in a lifetime of just, like, overworking myself is that sometimes it's worth it to pay somebody else so that you have more time. Even if it is something that you can do, or if it's something that you just hate doing, but has to get done, you're like, oh, I could have a picnic and read a book while somebody else cleans my gutters, or I could complain all weekend because I have to spend two hours cleaning my gutters. Absolutely. And um, so I think that that is, I will say innovative, especially for Cheyenne, because we, it's one of those things that maybe in big cities, these things have been going on for forever. But as you know, we live in Wyoming, which some people think doesn't even exist. And we kind of get to things a little bit later, right? Absolutely. And I mean, even now, if you look at the expansion in town and how many businesses are now coming here and we're finally starting to have growth, like we both lived here for a long time. Um, and in the 27-ish years that I've lived in Cheyenne, we have grown in population by like maybe 8,000. And most of that has been in the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, and so bringing these kinds of, like bringing the technology into the game um, and 
really giving people a place to to talk about their expertise and um, find ways for them to serve their community. I think that that is quite honestly just fucking brilliant. Um, Thank you. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everybody has something to offer, right? Like everybody has some level of skill and it gives those people an opportunity to to say, hey, I have this skill and I can help you. Because that is, I think one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur is to say like, I have, I have credentials, I have like experience, I have all of these things, but the, how do I tell people that I have all these things without, um, cause you can go the route, especially in bigger cities. And if you're completely online and things like that, you can go the route of hardcore social media campaigns. You can go the route of, um, you know, like selling master classes and things like that. And there's plenty of people who do that. But when you live in a relatively small place, there are still like your neighbors still need to know about you. And I think that you have created a platform for that. Um, so I guess my question is how, how successful do you feel like it has been thus far? And how, like, how does the whole thing run? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I'll take the second part first, right? So how does it work, right? And then we'll I, I'll answer how, how it's been going, right? So um, which you've kind of you've kind of touched on some key points there. Um, so odd jobber, there's a concept in the IT world, right? And, and most of you who've worked with an IT department probably know, right? You log a ticket and you get help, right? From mm -hmm. someone with the, the specialized skill that you need to solve the technical issue you have at hand, right? And that's kind of what odd jobber is, but for, you know, menial tasks, mowing your lawn, cleaning the windows, cleaning your gutters, picking up the dog poop, cleaning out the garage, cleaning a van, you know, the simple stuff that the kid down the street can just take care of for you, right? It doesn't take, you know, extensive experience to know how to clean a window, right? I mean, yeah, you need to know how you need to know how to not leave streaks in it, but um, you can just go out and tell the kid, hey, man, just wipe it over with this and it's, it's done, right? So that's kind of what the platform is there to do. The other piece of it that is absolutely critical, you know, and, and I get into this a lot with you um, on the IT side is, is simplicity, right? With the listing piece. So let's say that you wanted your gutters cleaned. Um, we allow you to take a few pictures. You give it a quick title. You give it a short description. Say, hey, I'm willing to pay this much for it. So you get to set the price um, as the person listing the job. Um, and then you get to set a deadline. Okay, I need this. I need these gutters clean before the first snow hits end of October or whatever it is. Right. And you have one of kind of two options or you can let the job sit out there and you can just see if someone comes and picks it up for you. But we also have a, a nifty feature where you can go and click the find a jobber button, go to the find a jobber section. And you can look at all the local people in town who are looking for this kind of work um, and you can proactively reach out to them. Um, and I also forgot to mention, as soon as you list the job, you are immediately matched with one of those people from that list in your local area, or three of those people, excuse me. And you can go, you know, again, proactively reach out to them. Um, you can also 
you know, share it on social media, what have you, give it to a friend, you know, someone who wants to do it, say, hey, man, I got this job out there, you willing to come knock this out for me really quick. And it just gives you a lot of these different avenues that you might not have had before, or gives you these contacts to people that you probably didn't know even existed, right, right around the corner. Um, on the jobber side, you know, you get to set your own your own work hours. So when I say jobber, I'm talking about the person that comes to actually do the jobs, right? Mm -hmm. You get to pick, hey, I want to come do the work for, and I need something that I can do while my kid's at school from nine to three or whatever it is, right? Let's see if I can slap together a couple jobs to do in six hours time, or if I don't have a couple hours to make a you know a few extra bucks, you can go on there and look and see which one fits your skill set, which ones fits your schedule. And you just simply, you know, can text message the person and say, hey, can I come do this? You know, you work it out as if you are your own business, right? Um, and negotiate whatever needs to be negotiated. Who's going to bring the supplies? When will you get it done? Is, you know, is there something strange about the job? If someone asks you to come mow, your, mow their lawn and it's, you know, two feet tall and super thick, you know, you, you have to go through those types of things. But it allows you to work through those and see the work that that's out there for you. Um, you know, we've been up to thousands of dollars on the site, right? So someone who's really willing to go out and do the work, right, you know, has the potential to make, you know, a healthy chunk of change in, in a month's time. So that's kind of how it's been working um, or how it works. How has it been going success, um, since its launch, right? So we launched actually at the start of this year um, was our first official um, year of operations. Um, and you kind of touched on it, right? Cheyenne is a small town. It is, you might, you've heard it put this way, it's kind of backwards, right? And yeah. I would almost, you can, I had a, so I lived in Fort Collins for two years when I worked in, um, when I started working at uh, HP as a contractor. And then I moved back when my son was born in 2014. Um, so from 2012 to 2014, I lived in Fort Collins. When I came back to Cheyenne, it really did feel like I was going back in time a little bit, even though I was only 45 minutes away from, from Cheyenne, right? It was just a completely different, you know, vibe that you get in, in a bigger city like Fort Collins. I, what is Fort Collins? I want to say 200,000-ish people. I'm not sure what they are, but... I'm going to Google it and I'll tell you. There you go. Yeah, but you know, they're they're at least double the size of what Cheyenne is. And they're they're more um forward thinking, right? A lot of tech companies are down there. You've got HP, you've got Broadcom, you've got Intel, what have you, right? So, anyways, point being is you, you come back to a, a, a state that only has five hundred thousand people in it, um, you don't get those tech savvy folks, right? Um, you get more grandma and grandpa, you get more blue collar workers. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that has been really eye opening for me is when I, I've talked to some people who are even not that not that old, you know, late 30s, early 40s, like, hey, man, yeah, pull out your phone, create an account, go on there and you can look at all the jobs. And they're just like, well, how do I do this? I, I don't know how to, you know, quite do this. And um, it's been challenging on that front, right? Because a big piece of this too, that I want to help people with is, is, senior citizens, right? I'd love to connect the older generation with the younger generation as a part of this, right? Something we really debated when we launched the company was how can we get into the, with the high school kids, right? We want to get high okay. school kids helping out, you know, the older generation, people in their 60s and 70s who are home alone who can't do this work, right? They're, they could physically seriously hurt themselves by climbing up on a ladder trying to clean their gutters, but there's a high school kid three houses down 
who's coming home and playing video games or, you know, might have an hour of time, might need gas money, you know, whatever his motivation is or, you know, availability is, he's there, right? And he has the capability, he or she, I should say, can come over and, and do that work, right? Um, and that that becomes a challenge in the tech sector, right? Because you've got grandma working with, you know, nephew Joe or Shirley, right? <laughs> Trying to, <laughs> this guy really knows tech or this girl really knows tech and, and grandma doesn't at all, right? And so how do you bridge those, right? How do you make it super simple so that grandma can open up her phone and say, take a picture and say, I need my gutters cleaned, right? Or whatever it is. It's been a slower adoption than we would like, right? Challenges, no matter how you face it, any business you, you hit, um, the universe will test you, right? And it definitely has done that for me and everything I've ever um, undertaken. So we have about somewhere between 50 and 100 users right now. Um, I would say they're mostly reactive users, right? Um, and we're working to get more engagement in Cheyenne, right? And Cheyenne is a, a good testing ground. It's hard to do business here. Um, the, all three businesses that I've had here in Cheyenne have been super challenging, right? It's a super conservative state, super conservative city, relatively speaking. Um, we are, the kinks are getting ironed out and I'm really looking forward to launching things in Fort Collins. Um, just because I have a lot of connections down there from working down with from people in Colorado for 12 years now. Um, mm -hmm. They're uh, a bit more affluent when it comes to tech and stuff like that. But anyhow, another long-winded answer for you. Yeah, hey, that's what we're here for. That's what conversations yeah. consist of. Um, yeah. So as you, so still, as you know, uh, Fort Collins has roughly 100,000 more people than you. Yeah. So, so they're 166. And um, this kind of reminded me when, so I still worked at the YMCA during when COVID hit. And one of the first things that we did was got all of our fitness classes on Zoom so that people could take fitness classes from home because they couldn't come into the gym. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you, and like the people who needed to keep coming to the classes and cared to keep coming to the classes were all the seniors because they were the ones who didn't know that you could just look up like google something and youtube will pop up with a video for something you wanted to do they wanted to see their friends they wanted to still like have that community and connection but i cannot tell you how many people set up meetings with me so i could show them how to log into a zoom call like to click a link and enter into a room and like, I became an IT person who is bad. Like my older brother, he's an IT guy. I go to him for IT because I am not, I do not consider myself technology, technologically savvy. Can I hold my own with like standard stuff that millennials should know? Sure. But any, any extra stuff, I'm like, no, I way over my head. My kids just got an Xbox and I'm like, I don't know how to use this thing. It's, no, I don't want it. Sure, <laughs> so, sure, yeah. Um, I can I can build things with my hands though. I got that down. So this brings up a, well, I guess my next question. So I feel like a lot of these things, um, the things that you do, that you have done, that you continue to do, I feel like a lot of it centers around this idea of community. So can you tell me what community means to you, both in like 
a definition of like what community is and then what impact that has had on your life. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I kind of, you know, dogged Cheyenne and Wyoming a little, a little bit there, right? And I should, you know, say that the nice thing that I like about Cheyenne and Wyoming is the community that you have here, right? Um, I talked to my friends that I have down in Fort Collins and, you know, Denver cousins I have, you know, around the country, and they don't have, you know, long-standing friendships that are relatively commonplace around here, right? As, as you mm -hmm. probably well know, right? Um, a lot of the friends that I had in elementary school, I still have them as really close friends. And, and you know, it's, and I think that is true for most people that grow up here in Cheyenne. And that's one of the strong um, suits of, of, you know, Cheyenne and Wyoming, right? There's smaller communities, you know, smaller set of people, but you get to know each other on, on a deeper level and you build longer lasting relationships, right? It's, there's not so much noise, not to say that this doesn't happen in bigger cities, but I think it is definitely and obviously more prevalent in smaller cities, right? Um, and I'll give you a couple examples, right? So I've had some, you know, aging relatives, right? Who have ultimately passed away, right? 70s and 80s, and they really needed help, right? And I wasn't available for one reason or another to help them, but I had a really good friend who was around the block, right? Hey, uh, my uncle Will, for example, needed his floor redone, right? I had a friend who knew carpentry, another friend who was available, right? It was something that was really bothering him because he had to wheel around in his kitchen um, on a desk chair, right? With wheels underneath it so he could get, you know, where he needed to go, his fridge, kitchen, what have you, right? So his floor needed to be done for like a year. I finally connected him up, right? And they were able to get to know my uncle will he was able to educate them a little bit on certain things while they were sitting there doing this floor and they would joke around have lunch together right and you know it brought them together right they were within you know a few blocks of each other and they knew each other were there now and so you know he was able to call them to help with anything he needed or if he just wanted to go fishing with them whatever right and it it was, it became kind of a win-win situation for both of them. Uh, my uncle Will was actually um, uh, the mayor's assistant. He was a city planner here in China for a long time. He had a master's degree in history and, and you know, business. And, and, and he really knew, you know, how kind of the city worked. He helped start the Greenway and the Botanic Gardens and stuff like that. So he was really able to kind of talk to these guys and kind of tell them how, you know, this, that, and the other kind of worked while they were sitting there working on this floor. So to me, that's kind of what, you know, a community is and what a community does right you're, you're there to you get to know each other right to have a good time with each other and you know hopefully have a beneficial a mutually beneficial relationship right amongst yourselves right um that's you know rewarding for for all those that are involved right and i think cheyenne does a good job with that and i think it you're seeing more and more of that here in cheyenne with like you know the stuff they're doing downtown um you know, at the Lincoln and, and things like mm -hmm. that, right? A lot of the people are really know each other and they kind of grew up together or know someone, you know, that what's that seven degrees of separation. I think in Cheyenne, it's like two or three, right? Usually. Yeah. I, oh man. Um, I cannot tell you how many people like I'll, the other day I was talking about someone um, and I've talked about like, I'm friends with, their younger brothers and I've talked about them a lot and so I'm talking to my friend and then I mentioned this other guy he's like oh yeah I went to high school with him and I was just like okay so those other people that I talk about all the time that's that's their brother and then 
So like everyone starts to piece it together. And so every once in a while you're, you're talking to someone, whether you just met them or you've known them forever. And then you do, you find those two degrees of separation because when you live in a smaller community, um, and I mean, so for those out there who don't, like when I say, when we say small, um, we're about 66, 68,000, I think now. Um, so we're not tiny, but we are the capital city of our state and aren't large enough to be considered a city. So um, we're just like a really big town that's in charge of the entire state. Um, but, and I think there's also a point, so you said that you've had like really good friends since elementary school, right? But even, um, and I don't mean this in any sort of offensive way, I like, we haven't been friends. Like we're not close pals that have like shared deep intimate life stories with each other at all, but we've known each other for 20 plus years. And when we see each other in public, we say, hey, we say, how's it going? Like, hopefully life is good. So it's not even like you don't have to have these terribly deep connections with people to have them be part of your community. But just knowing that there are people who care about your well-being, even if they know little to nothing about you, because you are part of their life in some manner. And I think you're right. I mean, in my experience, there's very few cities I've been to that have that same vibe because there's just, there's too many fish in that sea for you to run into the same people on a regular basis. Whereas the other day, um, I was sitting at the Paramount for, I had like 45 minutes in between subbing and like going to a football game or something. And my... My friend's husband came in. One of the ladies who goes to one of my fitness classes came in and just like, I had like three little short conversations with people who I don't really know, but they were like, I know you, you know me, we're going to have like a hope your day goes well. And I think those tiny little things um, are some of my favorite things that bring more positivity into the world like smiling at people, holding doors for them, asking them like genuinely how they're doing. I think those tiny little acts of kindness are what make the world go round. And I think one of the reasons why Cheyenne has such a great community is because we have the ability to put the, that little bit of positivity out more than if we were in a bigger city where things are less personal. So I think that's why we have a good vibe. And I mean, you're right. Everyone, I, I have not met a, a single person who has grown up here who has not dogged on Cheyenne um, or Wyoming. But I also think that most people dog on their hometown because it's their hometown. And um, it doesn't matter if your hometown is New York City. Um, like if you're from Manhattan and you grew up like like right next to Central Park or whatever, you're still gonna be like, oh my God, like this place is just so boring because you know it. Um, yeah. So then I have a question because I am a huge, like I love to travel. So do you, do you enjoy traveling? Do you travel? And 
If so, where have you been? Yeah, sure thing. Before we switch gears, I want to I want to oh, comment on what you it. said, though, really quick, you know, you so the community piece, right? And you sparked a memory for me, right? Growing up in Cheyenne, right? And I started, I couldn't find IT work here, right? But I grew up here, right? Mm -hmm. I was here, I don't know, it was 20 some years before I went down to Fort Collins to work. And like you said, around in Cheyenne, you hold the door for someone. You can rub el elbows with someone that, yeah, you're just an acquaintance with, right? You can have, you know, a 15-minute conversation and coffee with them like it's nothing, right? Um, I went down, you know, to Fort Collins and, you know, I would hold the door for somebody and they would kind of look at me funny, right? And it's, there was another, another example. I sat by a guy for a year and a half, literally right next to him in the cubicle over to me. The guy had never said a word to me. He just, you know, it was just kind of the vibe, right? And that was, it was awkward for me at first, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't necessarily bad, right? I, over time, as I became more, you know, kind of familiar with, you know, how Fort Collins is, that's just kind of how they are in a, in a bigger environment, right? Like you go down to Denver, holding the door for someone is kind of awkward, right? It's like, do I know you? I, I don't know you. Why are you holding the door for me? You know, or, uh, you know, why are you sparking up this conversation with me right here in, in Cheyenne? That's normal, right? In, in bigger cities, right? Not so much for better or worse though, right? Everyone's just kind of used to it, right? And if you're looking mm -hmm. for that, that tight knit kind of, um, I don't, I don't know a good way to put it, like, you know, country style, um, community, right. It is out there, right. It might be a little bit harder to find in a bigger city, but you also have these, uh, you have patches of communities, right. In those bigger cities. Um, right. and it's, it's interesting, right. To see, cause it, it could be, you know, improper etiquette and somewhere like Cheyenne to not hold the door, but somewhere in Fort Collins, it's perfectly fine. No one cares. Right. It's just part of the day. And so, and it's okay right so it just made me think of that and, and some examples that I had there it took took a while for me to adjust when I went down to Colorado like because I was just different right the people were different um yeah so I mean I strike up conversations with random strangers on a very regular basis so uh I, I feel like I would still do that in cities but I'd get a lot more funny looks yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially like on a subway or something, you just start talking to somebody. Yeah, like yeah, I'm like, bored. You want to talk? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, the traveling piece. So do I travel? Do I like to travel? Yeah, that's like, that's kind of what we try to do for fun, right? So mm -hmm. um, any expendable income that I have, right? That's what we try to do. We try to go somewhere new. We try to see something new, right? I'm, I'm a huge... Uh, a huge fan of the experience mindset, right? When it comes to getting, you know, gifts around holiday time, right? I'm always trying to give someone an experience as opposed to a material, uh, whatever, you know, what have you. Um, it's so, where have I gone? Um, let's see, I've been, the big one that always pops to mind is Alaska. You might remember Josh Powell. Um, he's mm -hmm. my age, went to school together, kind of grew up in our neighborhood. Um, his family actually owns a, uh, a fishing company and a gold mine up there and, they act, and also a quilting business. And so one summer he invited me to come out and work with them and I did a great experience. Um, I've been over in the, uh, to Oregon, Washington, um, in the Portland area. Um, my grandpa on my dad's side lives over in Sacramento, so we'll jump over there every now and again, hit San Francisco and all those fun places. Um, been around the full state of Wyoming as of last year, finally, 
been here all these years and had never visited Yellowstone or Jackson until last year. Finally went, had a great time uh, planning on making an annual trip up to South Dakota into the Black Hills. Uh, been into Kansas, Nebraska. Um, breezy side of the family likes to do a vacation over into Emerald Isle, um, which is what they call the Outer Banks on North Carolina. We've done mm-hmm. that a handful of times. Great, great time. I guess there's a TV show called The Outer Banks now. Um, I've only heard of it, haven't seen it, but I guess it's halfway decent. So yeah, Mexico is the only place I've been that's been out of the country. Um, I really want to, you know, hit other places. So Italy, Greece, you know, do the Europe thing. Definitely love to see Japan. I hear nothing but great things about Japan and how technologically advanced they are. Oh, Uh, yeah. Be a culture shock for sure, you know. I um I think it's hard for for me one of the hardest things is traveling is traveling with kids right because uh yeah. they're needy and um they don't like the same stuff adults do I remember it's like growing up we would go on like a big family vacation every four or five years or so and there was one year and we always drove um we were, one year we went to California, but first we went down to Colorado and we hit Mesa Verde and we went to, um, I don't know what order we went in because I'm bad at geography. Um, we went and toured the Hoover Dam and we hiked the Grand Canyon and we went on the Vegas Strip and we just like hit every state all the way down until we went to California. Um, and that, like, I hated it. It was awful because <laughs> I was 11 years old. And I did not give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like we are walking, like we sit in the car and we drive and we get out of the car and we walk and then we get in the car, and we drive and we get out of the car and we walk and it's all we do. <laughs> and then like went to school for architecture and structural engineering and learned like intricate things about the Hoover Dam. And I was like, mom, I want to go to the Hoover Dam. Like, we should go to the Hoover Dam. She's like, I took you to the Hoover Dam. I was like, yeah, but you took me to the Hoover Dam when I was 11 and I did not care. <laughs> Didn't yeah. care, not a little bit. <laughs> like, So I feel like that's one of the hard things with kids is trying to plan vacations. Not even, I mean, I guess they're vacations, but adventures that they can enjoy so that so they can enjoy it so that you can enjoy it and that it's like they get a little bit of something out of it because um that's just always one of the things I remember and I love traveling now like I would um but like when I travel with my kids we make sure that there's a water park involved (laughs) because I'm like okay so we're gonna go for a hike but then we're also gonna go down water slides so like everybody gets a little bit of their own sense of fun Absolutely. So where, of all the places that you've been, where is your favorite? Well, that's a tough one. I tell you, I'm, I'm, I think, you know, it's kind of more of the the theme. I I love getting out into, into the woods, right? Like when I go to the Black Mm -hmm. Hills, when I go to Yellowstone or Jackson or Alaska, right? Or out into Seattle, right? Or excuse me, not Seattle, but when we went to Portland, I'm going to be heading to Seattle here in a few weeks, actually. But what I've loved about those places the most is, is getting out into kind of uh, the nature areas, right? Um, I can only do like the shopping tourist downtown stuff for an hour or two and I'm like getting a migraine, you know, and exhausted, yeah. right? I can spend days and days out in, in the woods, you know, like when we went to um, 
Portland, we, you know, did a bunch of touristy stuff, hung out with family, but then we went with um, my brother-in-law and he took us crabbing. And that's like what I remember, right? From going out there in the Tillamook Bay, we went out and did some crabbing and it was awesome, right? I always remember that experience. Um, probably, you know, in that category of things, right? Alaska just takes the cake, hands down. I spent nearly three months out there with uh, Josh and his family. And it was, it was super awesome. Like we were um, along what they call the Kenai Spur Highway, which is in the Cook Inlet. Um, we worked our tails off, uh, worked the hardest, you know, or some of the longest shifts in my life and definitely some of the hardest work I've ever done. We did, I think it was um, one 18 hour day, a 24 hour day, and then two 18 hour days. And then it just kind of, it was like, uh, it built up to it and tapered off, right? Because when the fish come, so we were doing salmon fishing. So when the fish mm -hmm. are there, you, you just have to work as hard and fast as you can to get as many fish as you can. Right. And so we were just working, you know, 10 hour days, 10 hour days, 10 hour days. And the fish showed up and it was like 18 hours, 20 hours, 24 hours, 18 hours. Yeah. And so, um, but when we were that, when we were not working, we were just out having adventures every day, every night. Right. And to cap the trip off, we took a little cub plane um, that Josh's dad flew, which a cub plane is just a two-seater plane. It's, you know, got a weight limit of like a thousand pounds, right? So you get two people in there. That's two big people. That's 500 pounds. You got 500 pounds for gear. We took it over the Cook Inlet way back. I don't know. I'd say at least 50 miles or around 50 miles back into the woods. Um, and we spent a week out there. Um, no electricity, you know, no running water, any of that type of stuff, right? Um, and it was a blast, right? We got so many great stories from that and so many good memories with the people that were there. So we were just out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it's it's just pristine nature, right? Untouched wilderness. So really cool stuff. Or at least it was when I was out there. I've heard it's changed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, everything changes, unfortunately. Um, I think that's actually kind of funny because I think one of the other distinguishing things about Cheyenne is that to other people, like we are still very much wilderness. Like there are places, I mean, a year, maybe two years ago, there was, there were a couple um, mountain lion cubs, like schools got put on lockdown because over a couple, a course of a couple of weeks, these different mm -hmm. mountain lion cubs, which they think were from the same litter or whatever, um, got into town because we are we are still like at the edge of town is still wilderness um, and mm -hmm. some parts of town is still wilderness um, I know riding my bike to smart sports this summer like I almost ran into a deer on the greenway and so um, we're still I mean we might we feel big city compared to like being in the woods um, but we're still very much like, you never know when you're going to run into a wild animal. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the really cool things about living here because we're not completely separate from, like, I feel like when you're in Denver, like, yeah, you have the mountains right there, but you still have to go to them. Like you still mm -hmm. have to, like, how many people, how many mountain lions do they find in the middle of? Denver on a regular basis like mountain lions are like uh no I'm not going <laughs> like, Absolutely. whereas here they still feel like it still feels wild enough that they can move around town um 
So yeah, I think that's one of the cool things. So yeah. You can get lost around here, you know, really quick, right? In a matter of a 15 minute drive, right? You can be somewhere that's, you know, 15 minutes outside of town, right? You can be pretty far away from things, right? Into like uh, the Blair Wallace area. You know, there's just so much to, I've been there multiple times or the Vitavu area, right? So many times mm -hmm. it's only, you know, what is it? 20, 30 minutes away from town. And I still haven't explored it all, right? And there's just, yeah, a lot of open space in Wyoming, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Alaska takes, you know, takes the win on that one as far as the amount of open space, you know, per capita. But I would imagine Wyoming's probably top five, maybe, you know, as far yeah. as amount of open space per person, right? Or land per person. Yeah, for sure. Um, what sort of, so you've done, you've done so many things crabbing that's just I mean I would never eat crab because not my cup of tea but I would catch them that sounds like fun um are there any adventures that are like on your bucket list so you mentioned you know traveling Italy um Japan all that good stuff but are there any specific adventures like activity kind of things that you want to do in your life Oh man, I'll tell you the first one that comes to mind that I don't want to do, and that's skydiving. <laughs> I'll tell you oh my, it's so much fun. <laughs> you feel no like thanks. a bird. <laughs> no thanks. No, I don't like those situations where like I have zero control. You know, it, it probably would be good at the end. I'm like, you know, it'd be like open your eyes, but yeah, it could be over in a flash. But I'm not going to try and push the issue. You know, um, you know, I've I've really been wanting to do lately. I've been wanting to get out in the woods a lot more, like mm -hmm. more than even I have been. Right, go do week long backpacking trips. Right, hike a mountain. Um, those types of things are, are definitely on the bucket list. You know, um, float down a river. Right, and just do do a float trip for a week or something like that. Those those are the things I really enjoy and. I, this, this summer, I had an experience actually with a buddy of mine, Daniel Sauer. You might remember him. Um, he's same age as me. You probably would recognize him if you saw him, if you don't quite remember him. But anyways, him and I were out fishing um, and we had, you know, a mini day adventure. Um, I, I could tell you a couple stories from that day, but we were um, trying to find the Miracle Mile area to fish and we were wrapping up. We found an area to fish. It wasn't quite the Miracle Mile. Some cattle trails and stuff we were following. It was hotter and I'll get out you know it was like 90 degrees or something and we were fishing walking through a bunch of bush and stuff we come back and we're walking talking he's right behind me and I'm kind of looking over my shoulder talking to him and then I step out of the bush and literally I don't know four feet in front of me there's a rattlesnake a Mojave green rattlesnake and it didn't see me I didn't see it it turns looks at me and just you know rattles its tail and as a quills up's about to strike me and I just stand back for a minute right and the reason I, I say that is because those those types of experiences right they they at least for me they, they kind of center me and right humble me and let me know hey mm -hmm. this is i'm not in my i'm not on my couch looking at my phone watching a football game right i'm out in the woods where i got to be careful what the heck i'm doing because one misstep and you could be bitten by a rattlesnake you could fall off a cliff you you know whatever it is right you have to be more attentive to your surroundings right which is good and bad right and i appreciate those types of things right it, it nothing comes easy out, out when you're out in the woods and, and i enjoy that right i enjoy you have to work to set up camp you have to work to you know get the boat going so you can float down the river right and 
you can't afford to be distracted. In other words, you could get yeah. hurt, right? So uh, I appreciate I think more. I think that is one of the reasons why nature is so healing. Like there's there's science that can go into um, how like being in nature will help with depression and anxiety and all sorts of things. But I think you kind of hit on a point is that it forces you to be mindful. It forces you to be grounded and it like, it forces you to actually like embody everything around you. Um, because if you don't, you could be dead. (laughs) Um, I think it's, it's those things, but it, it forces you in a, I think most of the time, like if you're doing relatively basic kind of outdoorsy stuff, hiking, um, some fishing, things like that, when you're not, if you're not going on like uh, a trek through like hundreds of miles of backpacking and things like that, if you're going on a day hike, if you're going um, even like a short camping trip, I think those things, um, you have to be prepared, but not as prepared as the people who were doing all those super crazy badass things. Um, Cause I mean, I took my boys camping for the first time a few years ago and for whatever reason, like we could not get the fire going. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter because all they wanted to eat were the strawberries in the cooler anyway. Then there was a camp up the up the way who were like, hey, we made too much food. You guys want to come hang out? So like hanging out with their kids and like I'm eating like steak and potatoes that I didn't even make. And like, OK, this is great. Um, but I think it it does. It, it forces you in almost a gentle, natural way to to be one like to be your your intended natural self and get away from all of the distractions that we have like technology is great right I'm sure you agree being an IT guy um but I really like I really like the dichotomy you have where you're an IT like your day-to-day is technology computers like you probably wear that headset a lot <laughs> I, had oh, to I, yeah, I get that sensory like it's still on sometimes you know yeah um but then you go out and you go into nature and you are like who you authentically are as as a human being outside of this like technological society that we have built so i don't i think there's just a huge amount of beauty to that yeah, I can, I'll tell you one quick thing that I appreciate that observation. Thank you. I take it as a compliment for sure. And I'll tell you, that's something that the IT world struggles with, right? And that's something I, I every IT project task position I've ever held, right? My objective has always been to simplify it, right? Because okay. the IT world is extremely complex, right? And it's just, it doesn't need to be that way, right? It, it shouldn't be that way. And you end up, what the reason it happens is because you get too many people who, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't generalize like this, but you get some that don't have real world experience, right? A lot of the people that end up in IT, right? They've 
they've loved doing that stuff their whole life. They've played video okay. games, right? They're a lot of their life. They've, you know, been more um, so social introverts, right? Type of type of folks. And they, they haven't experienced something more practical, like working on a ranch or something like that. Right. And so they're, they're yeah. thinking about things with high capacity engineering capabilities, super mathematical. You get five of those people in a room and you end up with a, a crazy solution, but it's super spider web together. Right. Um, but in the IT world, right. It's already complicated enough. Right. The, the technology yeah. in and of itself is already complicated. So you have to, the ultimate goal is to be able to simplify it. Right. And that's, I get that perspective all the time and everything I do. And that's what I'm trying to do with odd jobber, right? Like, like we started the conversation with, right. I want to be able to make it so simple that my 70 year old, 75 year old grandma can use it. Right. But at the same time, the 15, 16, 17 year old kid down the street knows, you know, intuitively how to use it. They should both be able to use the same thing intuitively together right and tech tech can be a huge distraction right and it can be super frustrating um because if you whether like for example we're using zoom what if we were using skype or google meet or mm -hmm. any sort of things right they all have different ways to interact with them right it shouldn't be that difficult right there should be you know more standardization and simplification in the industry top to bottom which i think would cut down on you know some of the challenges people have with it because there's a lot of capability there to do good, right? It's just, you have to put it, it's a tool, right? So you have to put it to, to good use, just like anything else. In other words, yeah. it'll ruin your life <laughs> or could, or could. For sure. Not, not um, well. Quick question. Does yeah. Oddjobber have an app? And if not, are you planning on it having an app one day? So it uh, does not have an app. And I'm torn on this because of that problem we just were discussing, the, the simplicity mm -hmm. or that I was bringing up, right? Um, apps can be complicated, right? They take up space on your phone. So right now we have it um, as only a web browser um, or a website that can be pulled up on a web browser. Um, we've thought about the app. The thing with apps is they're, they're expensive and the value add can be questionable at times. You're talking usually minimum 30 grand to build an app, right? Um, the time is usually six months to a year as well. And that's probably on the lower and shorter end um, for those types of things. So it's, I will, in the IT world, we call it on the roadmap. So it's, it's on the roadmap. All right. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know. Ideally would be a helpful thing because one thing I have noticed in older generations apps or something that they they have become even I would say even more so dependent on their phones than younger generations like younger generations are dependent on phones for entertainment um, whereas I feel like older generations have become more dependent on phones for like trying to get everyday tasks done because they have a smartphone so they might not have a computer anymore mm -hmm. so yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's pros and cons, you know, yeah. to, to the app thing for sure. Um, I think yeah, there's a lot of simplicity, but if you look at a lot of websites these days, a lot of them are built with an app-like fill, right? And yeah. so that that design methodology that, that apps on the mobile devices brought into the market are starting to become more standard in anything that's developed um, in the IT world. 
yeah, I think I know when I was working like the YMCA website, I designed the mobile version of it first and then the desktop version because most people access it on their phone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so we are to the point where we are going to do this little game. So do you want okay. the right hand or the left hand? Uh, let's go your right, my left. Okay. Yep. Your first, well, it's not a question, but name a few things that you think are beautiful to look at. Oh, wilderness, uh, you know, the nature, that's, that's a big one, right? Um, also, you know, you and I do sports together, right? Um, mm -hmm. Watching someone perform like a great play, that is freaking, that's just awesome, right? To see someone make a, a great play, right? Laying out for a ball or, you know, die, whatever it is, backpedaling for it, dodging a hit, you know, what have you, right? Those are just awesome to watch too. Yeah, I like all of those things. All right, my question, what are your three favorite drinks? Water, um, chai tea, specifically Ziggy's spice chai, because I use, like, I still like chai, but when you start adding, like, cayenne pepper to it, it just makes my life even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what else do I even drink? Um, at the Paramount, I drink the Super Cyan tea, which is like a raspberry and honey and something like that, named after Dragon Ball Z stuff that I know nothing about. But you're missing I was out. Told that that's, I, yeah, I've been told that too. Um, maybe someday. That's more of a guy that, thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I like anime is just not my thing. It never has been. Um, yeah. All right. Question two, what's something you know now that you wish you'd learned earlier? Oh man, don't go into a partnership in business, <laughs> especially with friends and family. I, I mean, well, right. everyone will say that, right? And you kind of intuitively know it, but you can't really appreciate it until you do it. But even when it's not friends and family, just if you can manage a business by yourself, do it. Don't go into partnerships, especially a partnership. If you do need, you know, help. everyone needs help in business, right? Mm -hmm. But set it up in such a way where you're not linked to each other for extended periods of time, right? If I was to ever to do a partnership like venture again, um, I would set it up so that I'm my individual company and I would be providing services or providing product to this other person in their company, right? We'd each have our own LLCs and we could part ways whenever we want. I would never join forces in a contractual fashion with anyone in a business um, type situation ever again. <laughs> I say that yeah. I shouldn't say ever, but you never know. But uh, yeah, yeah, Wish yeah I, I think that's it's you should you shouldn't speak in absolutes because you never know what tomorrow will bring. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, my next time. question. Yeah. Um, if you could make one new rule that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? Um, that they had to 
oh, how should I put this? That they would be required. No, I'm going to make it real simple. I would say if there was a rule everyone had to follow, everyone would have to go to therapy, like some form of therapy, because <laughs> I truly do not think that there's anyone on this planet who is not fucked up in some sense um, or in a nicer way, could not use someone to talk to um, who is outside their own circle because we deal with a lot of things internally and i think the world would be a lot healthier happier place if we all had access to those conversations with somebody to help us through the hard times or the good times so yeah require therapy my more might be more people locked up too who knows (laughs) (laughs) um your last question what is a question people rarely or never ask you and what is the answer oh man what do man i don't know anyone who's been like really bashful with me who hasn't asked anything um trying to think what would, what's a that's a good question that <laughs> this is one right here that, <laughs> that um, no one asked me let me think about that for a minute um something that no one asks me usually. Yeah, I guess, you know, the one that comes to mind, at least, um, is especially in a work scenario. And, and I think this would be, and this is just in general, right? People don't ask about people's background a lot. And I don't mean like their work experience. I mean, what was your childhood upbringing like, right? And this can get into like legal issues. So you got to be kind of <laughs> careful with this, right? Bias issues. But there's got to be forms of this question that can be asked, you know, and, and, can shed very deep insights onto, you know, people, um, when, especially when you're hiring them, right? Um, for me, you know, I grew up in, my mom and dad were divorced. Um, my mom um, was a secretary, you know, fairly, you know, uh, low income, right? I have two brothers, we lived together. Um, in the time that I lived with my mom, which was until I was 13 or 14, when I got quote unquote kicked out for just being a pain in her royal neck uh we had moved like i don't know at least 12 times right in that time period and a lot of those times were back into my grandma's house right back and forth mm-hmm. so um kind of a i it was a challenging a bring all the way through about junior high till about junior high and then i really started getting involved with sports and you know that really changed a lot of things for me right so that's why i value sports a ton right is you get some good leaders in front of, you know, troubled youth and it can, it can do a 180 on, you know, their life's trajectory. Um, so for sure. Yeah. That's... I mean, one sports can save a life. There's a lot of things that can save a life, sports, music, um, yeah. any sort of like extracurriculars for sure. Um, but I really like that. That's the question that you went to, because I think like as someone who has, like done a lot of interviews to hire employees. Um, that would be a good thing to know. Like where one, I think more empathy in a workplace is necessary um, because we are all human. And so understanding that your employees are just as human as you are, but knowing where they come from, like 
whether it's moving around a lot. And if you say, like, get a little antsy at work, and like, you're like, I feel like I've been here for a really long time. Like I'm kind of itching to leave. Your manager could say, hey, like, is this like, do you really want to leave? Or do you like feel like you've been here because like so long because like stability is foreign to you, right? Because um, there are a lot of people who like they'll go from one job to the next job because they don't feel like that it's the right fit. But if you did look back at their their childhood, their upbringing, just where they came from and how they got to be who they are, you might find a pattern, right? And say, yeah. is this the pattern that you want to continue? And if not, like what steps do we take to change that? And I think that would actually be really beneficial, not just in hiring, but also in like coaching employees into full-on career paths. And I mean, I'm just all about like helping people become the best versions of themselves. And like, I think that's really what a, a boss's job actually is. There's, I haven't been in a lot of companies where my boss thought that, but um, that's the kind of boss I try to be. So I really liked that that's where you went with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I could at least help you appreciate, right? Why they're feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. All right. My last question. What do you think will be your biggest challenge over the next year? Um, I would say trying, I have a lot of irons in the fire <laughs> and working to make all of them the best they can be without burning myself out like I did when I was at my full-time, like I left my full-time gig to run my life and the challenge is to not run my life the same way that I did when I was working for somebody else and actually build in the time for my mental health and physical health and family and all of those things that I did not prioritize when I was punching a clock. Um, so I think, and that's because that's something that has been like just ingrained in me for all of my life. Like I'm a very overachiever. <laughs> so someone the other day told me like, um, it, we, were ha we had a staff party last night for the Lincoln and we were showing up. I was like, like, well, if we go this, it's going to be too early, but if we go this, then we're going to, we're not going to be on time. And we're like the second per people to show up. And he was like, you know, you're not graded on this. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm not graded on this? Like, I'm perpetually grading myself in my head. Like, I don't care what you guys think. Like, if I don't have an A plus in life. <laughs> so yeah. taking that mentality for sure. That would have been my answer as well. So good answer. <laughs> um, all righty. Well, Dominic, it has been fantastic talking to you today. Is there anything that you want people to know of? We will be linking um like check the show notes because odd jobber is going to be linked there so if you need to go look at that website and find someone to help you with some stuff or tell people that you can help them with some stuff um we'll link that but is there anything else that you want 
people to know like stuff you have going on or just something you want the world to know yeah on the so just on the odd job or front you know I, I would say help me help you right you know we talked a lot about community and, and culture and values here and um you know i really i really do value that stuff for a number of different reasons and i really want to build a platform that helps people right and you need the community support to do that right you hear this all the time support your small businesses this that and the other right there's good reason for that right if if you want to see those things and you want to see those changes you, you have to really support them right and um you know help drive those things into the direction that, that you want to see so um i think there's a lot of potential here i think the potential's through the roof um and yeah don't be afraid to reach out provide feedback super reasonable guy and always willing and able to you know take that feedback in stride and implement it whenever it's appropriate so um yeah that would be probably the one thing i would close on fantastic well thank you again for joining me and that has been this episode of the common humanity podcast where we just have real human conversations <laughs>